0: Welcome to the Cap Gemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope and I'm the Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility for the US, Canada, and Latin America. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's get the future we want together.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the CARE Sustainability Council's podcast. Now, this podcast is intended to offer a unique view of not only uh, sustainability activities that occur within Capgemini, but also in our everyday lives. In this episode, we have a guest who is very passionate about sustainability. He has so much knowledge. He's been reading books, researching, giving webinars, you name it. So without further ado, Here's our guest, Rajesh Singhamadu.
2: Thank you, Damon, for, for an opportunity to kind of talk to you about sustainability and my interest in that. Uh, this is Rajesh here and Rajesh Singamedu. I am based in the Bay Area, been with Capgemini through an acquisition called Altran. So technically about five and a half years into the company, I manage a couple of large accounts here in the Bay Area.
1: Nice, that's awesome. Thanks for the work you're doing out in the Bay. <laughs> and yeah, we're here for sustainability. And I, it's it's always been a big topic, and especially one I love to learn about. So how did you yourself become an advocate for sustainability?
2: Well, uh, for several years, uh, you know, I've been noticing a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. Prevention rains, flooding in coastal places, forest fires, extreme temperatures. Right. I knew something was wrong. But I did not know how to articulate it. Right. So a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who is a senior advisor and investor in the the energy space made an eye opening presentation about how we will soon run out of land, water Mm -hmm. to make food for the growing population. Right. So this triggered my research into sustainability. I read Bill Gates' book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster where he talks Mm -hmm. of the climate change in simple, non-technical language, Mm -hmm. watched several documentaries like Kiss the Ground, 10 Billion, Planet of the Humans, Cowspiracy, Seaspiracy, etc. And importantly, last year at Capgemini I attended climate circles, information Mm -hmm. sessions on sustainability, climate change that gave me tools and framework to think about the problem statement at hand. Right. So these, you know, these all helped me to uh, get into sustainability and, uh, of course, working with uh, Sol Salinas, Sheila Patel, Christopher Rice, Jennifer Rogero, Serena Patel, of course, you, we worked together (laughs) to pitch for some customer projects on sustainable consulting services. They really opened up my eyes Mm -hmm. and to see how we can contribute to arrest or even reverse the problem at hand. Right.
1: Oh, man, it's a lot of things you've been reading and researching on and doing. So that's that's impressive. I know I have another question on you, especially with the, the impacts that you, you touched on to the the biggest. In- and my question is being, what is the biggest impact that humans have on Earth in relation to other creatures in the world? Because I know it's a, it's a huge difference.
2: Yeah, 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 I know uh, humans. You know, I, I I I recall this presentation just by this friend of mine where he talks about uh, the human impact mm-hmm. on the entire Earth. So let's take let's measure the carbon content of life right. on the entire planet. So basically, it's the biomass or the weight of all carbon content of life. Mm-hmm. So the plants obviously is the largest, obviously. Then following the plants in terms of the weight, it will be bacteria, microorganisms, fungi, crabs, spiders, scorpions, fish, marine animals, worms, livestock, wild mammals and Mm -hmm. birds. And you still have not heard me say humans. Okay. so the carbon content of humans is less than one thousandth of the entire biomass of the planet. Now, that's one aspect of it. So we're pretty insignificant. Let's look mm-hmm. at another way of analyzing this, how we use the habitable land. OK, mm-hmm. if we were to put all of human infrastructure, buildings, etc., cetera, it'll occupy 3X, the geographical area the size of California. Right. And you take all the crops that we need to feed for human and farmed animals, that'll take the rest of the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. That leaves plenty of space for population growth. OK, right. But with the growth in the population at 1% year on year, we're roughly adding two weeks to California every year in terms of number of people. Wow. And the land, the land that we have. Will not be sufficient to produce enough food for, for all of us. So in short, what I'm saying is that the impact, what we have on the planet, although we are insignificant portion of the biomass, we cause the loss of biodiversity, we pollute fresh waters, we overuse fresh water, deforestation, intensive land use for pastures, and of course, Mm -hmm. green gas emissions. That depletes the ozone layer. Wow. That's insane. Mm. Wow, you said we're at a a tenth
1: of the biomass, and we're producing ten times or two times more than California.
2: No, I said we are one thousand of the biomass. One thousandth of the biomass. Wow, that is insane. It makes you.
1: It's really hard to even put that number into perspective. It's just it's so small, (laughs) but we're still producing so much. It's insane. So. That makes me want to ask this question about how we even see the bigger picture of our sustainability actions, because we try to be sustainable, what we're doing, but it's just so hard to even quantify it in that sense. So even if we do things as we can, you know, pick up trash, recycle, have our own gardens, how do we how are we able to quantify that with. I know this. This the rest of the world. How do we? How do we make sure we're doing what we can to kind of mitigate that? That that offset.
2: You know, uh, David, that's a great question, right? And uh, um, you know, it it one of the one of the bigger challenges that we as individuals will always face is mm-hmm. how 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 does what I do as an individual make sense in the bigger scheme of things? Right, right, and that's a that's a question, and then then people may get into a uh, uh, a thought pattern and say, okay, even if I do my best, I don't think it's going to make an iota of difference to right. the 50, 50 gigatons of carbon that we are emitting mm-hmm. every year. You know, I'm insignificant, and then we we'll lose hope. But I think right. you know, uh, I would think that the 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 first first of all, the most important thing for us to recognize is to understand the magnanimity, the huge, sheer size of the problem that we're trying to solve. Right. And second thing is, you know, uh, we have to be mindful of what we can contribute to reduce that particular problem. Mm-hmm. And once when we change at our core level, when all our okay. thoughts, actions, they are aligned to towards a sustainable future, then what happens mm-hmm. is automatically Energy will flow in from us to start influencing within our sphere of influence. Right. And then that sphere of influence will start spreading a little bit more bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. Each one of us come with our own talents. And for example, some people are pretty good at writing. Some people are pretty good at you know talking with people, convincing people, negotiate, negotiating with people. Mm-hmm. So each one of us will have to use our talents in the right way after we've made the core changes to ourselves. I in terms see. of the sustainable future and start using those skills to start spreading the message. I see. So just being
1: mindful of what we're all doing on our own and make Absolutely. those small changes is what we can do. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Absolutely. That's doable.
1: It's like the small you know,
2: steps. Yeah, like what like what Bill Gates says, right, in his book. He says carbon emissions happen in five types of human activities. <laughs> Making things, plugging in, growing things, getting around. And keeping warm and cool. Sorry, that was six. So, I guess <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so you know, uh, as as individuals, we can see where we can reduce, reuse, or mm-hmm. recycle. Right. Like, for example, how do I reduce consumption? You know, switching off lights and all that stuff is fine. But one of the things that we need to do is to think about the big-ticket items. Mm-hmm. For example, okay, do I need to buy the new? new shiny pair of jeans or right. do I know how much time my existing jeans in my cupboard is going hmm. to serve me right. but the answer is okay I can probably wait for a couple of more months before I buy the jeans then we have saved a couple of gallons of water lots of electricity Lots of labor, lots of Mm -hmm. machines not turning to make the particular genes Mm -hmm. and contributing positively to the sustainable future. I see it. That's another
1: way to look at it, It definitely.
3: I think a huge part of your perspective of sustainability comes from looking inwards in like a a really holistic and, you know, self-aware way. What do you think is important yeah. for people to realize to kind of get that perspective because I think people forget how much they are a part of the environment, yeah. how do they fit into different things. Um, so do you have anything to speak to how to bring people on that path?
2: Absolutely. certainly so that's that's a great question. and now you've kind of you know touched upon something which is very core to uh, to my own personal uh, uh, beliefs and spiritual background. Um, you know, I believe in the unity and harmony of nature. And there are lots of practices that we can follow if at all we are a little bit mindful to really understand these words, unity and harmony. I'll give you a very simple example. Um, let's say you go to your dining table to eat your meal and you have, uh, uh, let's say that you, for simplistic sake, let's say that you're just going to enjoy a bowl of salad and some fruits. Now, obviously, the bowl of salad and fruits are, you know, they are separate from you. And once you consume, they become part of you right now. After after you consumed and you have eaten them, they become part of you. They are no more indistinguishable from you. And I'm pretty sure you understand that. Now, what happens is that where did those the question that we need to ask is where did those. Fruits come from. They came from the garden from some somebody's farm or some garden. Now how did, what, what was the input to make those fruits? It's very simple. It's sunlight, air, water, and Mother Earth. You tell me one food which is not directly or indirectly connected to these four basic elements. When you extend the same argument, you and I, although we may look different, we may think different, where do we come from? It's a combination of these four sources. Now, this is unity. If we start destabilizing or upsetting the balance in this unity, what's going to happen is it's going to lead a disharmonious existence. So, if we start in a small way, we have to start looking at that unity within what we do, within ourselves, within our own thoughts, and within our actions, within our environment, within the food that we eat, within the interactions that we have with people, with animals, with nature, to start seeing it. Before we chop down a tree, we should ask, is the tree different from me? It may look different for sure, but think back to the example of the apple that I talked to you about some time back. Once you eat the apple, it's part of you. There's no difference between you and the apple. We think the tree is different today, but the tree is constituted of the same raw materials that you and I are constituted of. Right. Bring in that approach of unity, and then harmony will develop within nature. That's interesting. I got to get these books that you've been reading.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll I surely get you something with that. You got anything else, Saloni?
3: Yeah. My other question was I mean, obviously, so we were actually talking to. Showman, who is um on you know an account here, and he we asked him, who do you think is doing some crazy work in sustainability? And he mentioned you. He was like, I have never met somebody who's taken sustainability to the next level like Rajesh. What do you think is what was the most major catalyst for you to be like so intense about it? Like this is all I should be focused. This is something I want to really transform my life with. Like, what was that catalyst?
2: Well, the catalyst was very uh, simply I. uh, You know, maybe i used this in in the previous uh, question that you asked Saloni, I I used the example of how I see unity and harmony in the entire universe, the spiritual background that I come from, the the teachings that I that I have learned uh, from the spiritual background actually. Quote unquote logically proves that this unity is for real. And my journey is to really, really get that unity understood at a very, very gut level so that all my actions and behavior, attitude, thoughts all are in alignment with that unity and harmony that we see in nature. You you take, for example, uh, when when does one fall sick? When one, one falls sick physically ill, when there's an imbalance between the person and the surrounding nature, now, how do you correct that imbalance? You know, we take some medicines or whatever, but again, go back to the balance. When you switch back to the balance, then you become all right. So the nature is always supposed to be in equilibrium. It's we who are not in equilibrium. Either we over consume food or under consume, and then we fall sick. Now, from a sustainability perspective, I feel that, you know, the, the biggest the biggest thing that, that, that bothers me is that um, As a as a as humanity today, are we taking enough from the nature to feed our, let's say, needs and wants and desires and aspirations while at the same time ensuring that our future generations are also protected to take care of their own needs, wants and desires? The way that we seem to be doing things today The future we seem to be borrowing for the future, like the, you know, any country's uh, uh, debt, you know, debt is basically the country that the the country that borrows, lives on debt is basically living on future generations income. That's what we're doing today. Think about it. Okay. Social structures. uh, Economic structures and environment structures. These are the three things we are basing our entire life on. Social structures can change, economic structures can change, but the environment is the constant under which these two th- things will have to change. What if we damage the very environment, the very basis on which social structures and economic structures are built upon? What's going to happen? We won't last that long. <laughs> you bet we will not. So we've got to make the change today.
3: I think it's also interesting, your perspective, because I think there's, you know, a lot of things that affect people in their day to day is that like disconnect from not only like what they want, like you, it's not great to feel like a hypocrite. I'm sure in life, (laughs) you know, there's better feelings. Um, But I think one of the most cool things about your journey has been that you are reducing that feeling just every day in your connection with nature you're able to feel more accountable for the things that you consume for how you fit into the system and I'm sure that brings you a lot of peace in a way that I feel like a lot of people might not have I think you know just you know if you're even connecting other you know aspects of health mental health uh, you know, physical health. If you put all these things, holistic health, what does it mean? I think a huge part of it is what you eat, how you feel in your environment, where you look towards uh, life to find satisfaction. And I think when you you feel like those are aligned, I'm sure that's some level of contentness that I have never experienced. <laughs> um, but, but it's very cool to see how much you've um, practiced what you've preached. <laughs> Thank you, Saloni, for saying that. And I think that's been part of my journey.
2: And, uh, you know, I do have uh, 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 a set of individuals that that um, I know that I can influence starting from my family, my friends, and I, I, I make no, no. Um, um, I will I not hesitate to influence them because I have the ability to influence them by the very fact that I have changed my own uh, habits uh, to be more conducive to the harmony in the nature. Uh, and people are seeing the, those benefits that they, that they see in me, you know, like what you articulated, Salonía. I'm a little bit more peaceful than what I used to be earlier before. I'm probably a little bit more healthier physically. And things like that, those kind of benefits, then people will come and ask me, hey, how did you manage to do that? And I will not pass up that particular opportunity to let them know the tricks and trade that's going to help them as well as, of course, help the environment. Right. Always gonna pass along the knowledge. That's great.
3: <laughs> and I think it's a huge part of this podcast. This podcast, hopefully, you know, someone's gonna listen to it and be like, I gotta, you know, eat what Rajesh is eating <laughs> because I to be on this level. I think I think it's gonna be it's very inspirational to see how much our coworkers do such incredible things with their own personal lives and their own time. And it, I definitely think, you know. Many people are going to be pinging you on teams and being like, what are you doing? I really need to know. <laughs> um. So, Saluni, so, you know, uh, uh, coming from
2: India, uh, you probably know that milk is a very uh, big part of uh, the staple diet out there. But then this friend of mine, he shared a story of the glass of milk. He called it Moonomics. And, you know, just sharing this with you so you understand the – how how the the food that we eat can actually uh, make a difference, positive or negative, depending on what we do to the environment. So for example, a glass of milk needs about 10X more resources in the form of fodder, water, land use, et cetera. Now think about it. This is highly resource inefficient. You know, 10X resources, drink a 200 ml glass of milk, that means roughly two liters of inputs have gone into it. The conversion factor, the efficiency loss, is ninety percent. That is not good. Now, I asked myself, can I live without a glass of milk a day, or even reduce the consumption of my milk? The answer was yes. And now think about this: knowing how and where your food is produced is also important. Not as much, not not only what you eat. For example, if the if 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 I'm eating something that has been transported from Florida to here. Think about the amount of carbon that has been emitted by transporting that particular oranges coming from Florida to California. Mm. Right. Why wouldn't I want to go walk to the local farmers market, pick up some fruits and vegetables grown locally here? That's much less damaging to the environment than eating. Florida oranges or even some grains from South America. Right. Why can't we eat local produce?
3: It's it's crazy how much our small decisions make these bigger impacts happen, and I and I think a huge part of that spiritual you know understanding also is like thinking about it. I because you rarely think about where your (laughs) milk is coming from or where (laughs) your is coming from you know you take it for granted I think in some environments you take it less for granted right like there's some uh countries where you go and it's on the forefront of your mind yeah. like where did that come from um it, just because you're so much more connected to your resources but I definitely think your understanding and alignment of it is is uh, much more, uh, big than, than most people have experienced. And, and, you know, it's really awesome to see how much you've been able to implement in your life, but I have no further questions, but I definitely think you're making me think after, you know, I, I, we've been doing so many of these podcasts and obviously everyone makes us think in different and unique ways, but today I'm going to be eating my food and I'm going to be like, where did <laughs> it come from?
2: So, right. I'm, I'm happy to huh. okay. So thank you, Saloni. I appreciate that. You know, I, think, um, I think the most important thing that I feel is a three-step mantra, right? First, change at your level because the only thing that, that we control is what we can change for ourselves. We cannot do anything else to anybody else. So first, we have to change ourselves. And then the next step is to educate others in the hope that they will change. And the third thing is, Influence us, it, 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 it could be using like a platform like this podcast, for example. What what we're what we're trying to do, or even maybe writing, or even presenting people about your journey, like what Jennifer did, for example, in terms of how she uh, uh, saved water. Uh, mm-hmm. Living in 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 a cold 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 part of the part of the country, she was able to say, save a lot of water. So those are the kind of things that we should do. To mm-hmm. You know, change, educate, and influence people. I agree with you on that one,
1: and hopefully, we can do that through this podcast, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
2: And and uh, uh, Damon, you know, uh, I also want to just mention one thing: uh, mass movements always start at the grassroots levels, right? We should not lose hope that our individual positive actions, you know, are insignificant mm-hmm. to meet that 50 billion tonnes of carbon dioxide that we're emitting every year. But slowly and steadily, the mass movements will grow exponentially to solve the problem. It's a cultural shift, it's a paradigm shift, but we should be ready to make the change first within others. Perfect, I agree with
1: you on that one all right i think we are almost at time do you have any any last things you want to add because it's been great to have you on this episode today you you've you've changing lives already Two, i count two so far
2: <laughs> thank you so much david i appreciate you both taking your time to talk to me all i'm saying is that the next time you're taking your chocolate or coffee mm-hmm. just ask yourself whether it has come from a uh, deforested rainforest or somewhere that is much more nature friendly. Thank you, Rajesh, I appreciate you. Thank you, both of you.
1: Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Care Sustainability Council's podcast. And I wanna give another shout out to Rajesh for being on the episode today. And a special shout out to Shoman Shaha for recommending that we speak to Rajesh. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to this episode today. And if you would like to find more episodes, tune into to soundcloud.com slash N-A-C-R underscore radio. And with that being said, here's a final message from Janet Pope.
0: It looks like we've come to the end of another Capgemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope. And on behalf of the entire America's Corporate Social Responsibility team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have a specific topic on diversity, equity, and inclusion, sustainability, or digital inclusion that you'd like us to cover on a future podcast, please comment in the podcast channel. We'd love to hear from you.